There was an idea. Dormammu, I come to bargain. Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? Bunch of jackasses standing in a circle. Baskin Robbins always finds out. I for the faster baby. Are you Tony Stank? I am Iron Man. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Assembly Required, an MCU retrospective, the show where we reassemble the MCU piece by piece, movie by movie. I am your host, Eduardo, and today I have assembled a ragtag group of renegades to talk all about Thor Ragnarok. What are you doing? I'm just laughing at you trying not to laugh. What are you doing? <laughs> I'm, not, I'm over here trying to host a podcast. Oh, okay. What's that voice we just heard? That was Peaches himself. Host Peach away. Man. The Peach Peaches. The Peach Man cometh. Have we done and that before? Peach, I don't know. We haven't. I don't know either. Oh, okay. Well, we've done it at least once now. <laughs> at least once. Uh, yeah. We've also so we've got a big group here. I mean, I say big group. It's like the regular four plus an extra person, but it's a big group. <laughs> an extra person. He <laughs> calls got the Peaches. social media manager. We've got uh, both sound people here. We've got uh, we've got the sound lord and the lady sound, Chris and Angela, and we've got uh, Robert over here up above me on my camera. I don't know where he is in relation to you guys. He's above me uh, on mine. Oh no, he's above me on mine. He's right here. He's my upstairs neighbor. He's in my Hi, ears. Robbie. Hey, how's it heart. going? Happy to be <laughs> here. Hi, Angela, and I, have Chris. To give, I have to give a quick shout out to smuggler vicky who demanded a shout out in this episode because she's looking forward to it because korg is her favorite character and she wants to hear us talk about korg and she hopes that i have the same passion about korg that i do about other people whose my passion for she has judged me about hey vicky hey man what was that was that your korg that was a bad korg it doesn't have to be <laughs> no everyone has he to knew do a what korg impression for vicky now yeah you knew what it was so you hey, it counts Angela, give us your Korg impression. Hey, man. <laughs> so once again, we're talking all about Thor Ragnarok today. Um, not a lot to talk about as far as publication of this particular movie. Uh, publication, is that the correct word? Yes, movies are published. <laughs> Uh, the production of this movie i guess that was the proper word the only thing Uh, i want to say about about. the production is that before they hired taika waititi the assumption slash they might have even said it was that oh this is going to be the darkest thor movie ever because everyone's like oh my god ragnarok the end of the world this is going to be so dark accurate how dark is it yeah Uh, didn't turn out that dark, but that's okay. Nope. All right. The so French got, call uh, it Bagnarok. <laughs> <laughs> that's a joke for three of us. Boar Bagnarok. Ha <laughs> ha. <laughs> and one listener. <laughs> Backstory. We were at Epcot. That's French. <laughs> <laughs> Backstory is French. It's true. And he got a giant ass pretzel at the, uh, yes, I got an Germany. ass pretzel. Yes. And it was giant. At the Germany stand. <laughs> Not even France? <laughs> <laughs> and somehow the subject of the French language came up. and In Germany? And <laughs> You ever hear about World War II? <laughs> and he said, whatever the French word for pretzel is. And I said, me, the French major, said, I genuinely can't remember what the French word for pretzel is. So I looked it up online and it's 
Brett's <laughs> But I was joking around beforehand that it was Bretzel because That's I true. just didn't know what it was. So I just started saying Peaches, Bretzel. You know French. <laughs> yeah. And then she looked it up and it was that. So now anything that you put a B in front of is French. I support in the future replacing all historical conversations with conversations of bread. <laughs> bread is French. It's true. Bread and butter. Oh, both. Ah, no, nothing about butter. What are we talking about? Thor Ragnarok. Thor Ragnarok. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Thor Ragnarok is the episode we're doing today. In theory, uh, like I said, there is not much to talk about as far as the production of this movie was pretty. Uh, you know, I, I, I think none of the uh, kind of wonder about this movie comes out until after people see the movie the first time. Right. You've got a, a, a director that doesn't necessarily draw any names before this movie or just kind of turn any heads before this movie. But after this movie, it's somebody that everybody's looking at, looking at very closely, especially with subsequent movies, some of which I think are the best movie of 2019, in my opinion. But hey, whatever. Um, but nothing as far as production of this movie kind of turn any heads it was just another marvel movie and then the movie came out and it definitely turned heads for better or for worse i know lots of people think for better and maybe some of us think for worse who knows we're gonna find out so we'll start at the beginning thor has been captured by mysterious enemy forces on Muselheim. at p is silent and it's meant there to trap me uh his captor, i'm impressed good job <laughs> it's because i played god of war okay. uh, <laughs> It was there to trap you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, his captor, Surter. Surter? Yeah. Surter. Mr. Krabs. Uh, Mr. Krabs, re- by the way. Surter is apparently not in God of War. <laughs> He's not. Uh, he releases Thor from his cage, chained and dangling, and taunts him with the knowledge of Odin no longer being on Asgard. He also mentions that Thor's absence has left it vulnerable. Surter announces that Ragnarok is coming to Asgard. I hardly know her. <laughs> and that all he must do to achieve this is to join his crown with the eternal flame, which burns in Odin's vault. This Huzzah. is my crown. <laughs> I thought that was an eyebrow. <laughs> it's a crown. <laughs> Thor takes the cue to calm Mjolnir, breaks out of his chains, and fights off Surtur's minions before taking his crown as a trophy. When he attempts to return to Asgard, however, Heimdall does not respond. Heimdall's replacement, Scourge, only notices Thor's call when one of the women he is trying to impress points it out. He gets all his uh, his fun toys from Midgard there. He's got... Um... Two AK-47s. This is important. There you go. Um, okay, I ha- go ahead and talk about them. Oh, no, it's not important yet. Robbie, actually, I, do, I have a question specifically yes. for you. He mentions that he got them from a place on Midgard called Texars. <laughs> and that they are named Des and Troy because when you put them together they destroy are they named after two famous Dallas Cowboys Des caught it <laughs> yes I'm assuming they're Des Bryant and Tor- Troy Aikman yeah and, and then the other thing the uh, the shake weight that he's playing with there's a backstory <laughs> to that uh, to that shake weight which I will now share with you um, <laughs> okay, stupid, stupid you. trivia with the sound lord teaser uh, Yes, uh, Taika Waititi, in addition to being a director, is an actor, and he was in the the classic superhero film Green Lantern, and 
When he was in Green Lantern, apparently he saw an ad for a shake weight on TV and thought it was hilarious and bought it. And that Taika is the Waititi shake weight that Lantern. is in that movie. What a weird Who was Taika Waititi in Green Lantern? He was his, he was the Green Lantern's friend. The friend? Okay, yeah. I know I know who you're talking about. Yeah. IG-11? Uh, not The next. Viridian Light. <laughs> I don't know. Right, that's all I have to say. That and I like him saying, behold... My stuff. Emerald candle. <laughs> so Thor returns to Asgard for the first time in years. He's told by Scourge that Heimdall has been declared an enemy of the people and is on the run. Thor is unimpressed and goes to find Odin, who's watching a play about the valiant death of Loki. Did you ever hear the about... tragedy of Loki of Asgard? <laughs> <laughs> and he's being an pampered by, uh, by various Asgardians. Um, Including Matt Damon. Including Matt Damon. <laughs> and Sam Neill. And, and now, the Robbie, Hemsworth no one talks about. Yeah. Robbie, you're all giggles so far. You you know, you're giggling and all the little jokes and quips. <laughs> but the first note hilarious. that I have in here is for you to talk about how disappointing the humor is to you. So <laughs> well, no, that, <laughs> talk your way out of this one. <laughs> so, and, and I actually think, I think someone else on this podcast said this on social media when this movie came out and now has it very highly rated, but I might be wrong. Um, but honestly, when this movie came out, I thought it was hilarious and I thought it was really enjoyable. And I also thought, oh, God, this is what they're going to do with the rest of the MCU, isn't it? Like, I thought they were just going to say, OK, everything in the MCU is going to be comedy now and that's going to suck. And so this is this was a really interesting film to go through. And I knew this was going to come. I knew this was going to be my opinion ahead of time. But this was an interesting film to get to in terms of this retrospective. You know, I always like to talk about from the retrospective aspect how these films are. And you said something about for the better or for the worse about how it's not a dark film. And to me, it's like was for the worse and is now for the better, because in hindsight, this is not what they did with the rest of the MCU. They didn't. This was not the direction everything went. The MCU hasn't gone on to being pure comedy. And so this is almost more like a in comic books all the time. We have different takes on them. We have, you know, a take on these characters. And this time it's, it's a particularly funny story or this time it's. You know, literally a, like a, a, a little chibi cartoon and and those sorts of things. And that's what Ragnarok is. It, I think it's refreshing in hindsight that it was more of a different take on doing one of the MCU movies rather than being the new format for the MCU movies. And so that fear I had when it first came out is not anything that I have anymore because obviously didn't end up coming to fruition. So I just find it a a hilarious and lighter, but still completely entertaining and exciting film. Um, so it's been interesting how my opinion on it has changed as really basically it's um, not really sequels, but franchise successors came out. And this is something at well. And it's also as we're, we're going to get to this movie basically goes directly into what I believe are the two best MCU films, which I guess that's kind of a spoiler for future rankings, but um and so in a lot of ways, this is almost kind of the prequel for what was the big moment in the MCU. And it accomplishes that really well. But you don't necessarily get that the first time you see it. When it's a fresh film, that's not significant yet either. Um, and so this film, while I definitely liked it at the time, like it, whole, it ends up looking so much better because it stands out as unique. I know when you reference the two best films, you're talking about Infinity War and Endgame. But I'm just going to pretend like you've remembered that Black Panther's next, and I'm going to count that. Okay. <laughs> this is definitely leads directly into Black Panther. This, this just lays the foundation <laughs> for Black Panther. Nope. Foundation's gone. 
Uh, yeah, man, I, I guess I'll talk about the humor now. Um, I was going to talk about later, but there are certain things in this movie that I really enjoy and other things that I don't specifically the way Thor is written in this movie. Um, I really enjoy when Thor isn't trying to be funny. So when Thor is funny without trying to be, when the character Thor isn't trying to be Iron Man or Doctor Strange, I find him hilarious. But when he is trying, I find him not funny at all like the the scene specifically at the beginning where he's like doing the thing and he's turning around it's very you know what it felt like you know poe dameron scene where he's doing the like uh, at the beginning of last jedi where he's doing the, the like prank call how like he'll wait yes. for you know oh yes it, felt, it feels for real general hux. No, absolutely right. hold for general rux hold mm-hmm. for general hux it feels almost the same like the same kind of opening mm-hmm. and i just like don't i guess i appreciate thor being an idiot myself I appreciate when Thor's a little bit more of a lovable idiot rather than the cool quippy guy. Like I, I like yeah, I agree with the that. idea of Thor being a little bit more vulnerable and a little bit more like somebody we can laugh at because it's like a funny situation rather than him just being like, Hey, look how funny I am. Everyone. Maybe that's just me, but I just, I found him a lot funnier when he wasn't specifically the character wasn't trying to be funny. I agree with that. I, um, I originally had the same opinion that Robbie was talking about of when I first saw this movie, I thought they were trying way too hard to get laughs and it bothered me. And I thought, Oh, is this the direction we're going now? Um, and I've yeah, since trying changed, hard. That's a good word. I've since changed my opinion. Those are two words. I've since changed my opinion. Um, because when I watch the movie, like it's actually just a really nice escape from real life and it's a nice easy movie to watch you know just whenever and i really like taika's sense of humor which i'll get into later but um but i agree that the parts of it where thor is trying to be funny i agree with you on that like i it's a little bit much but i i do like when because i think they in this movie also elevated the funny parts of him that we've seen in films before right. this and those are done really well yes like you know like in dark world where he hangs his hammer up on the the coat rack and <laughs> you know he has like just little <clears throat> hidden gems in that movie of of being funny but like he's not trying to and i think they elevated that in this movie but they also padded it out with a lot of him trying real hard to be funny as well so i yeah, I have, like, mixed feelings about Thor's humor in this. Well, and everybody... So, like, in theory, what you have is you have, like, a like a grounding force to, like, be the sort of serious person to kind of bounce off of. And Helya, I guess, should be that force, should be that person. The problem is Helya doesn't ever interact with anybody else in the movie. So you have all of these people being very, very comedic. And then Thor also um, uh, attempting to be comedic. Uh, and then it just sort of, <laughs> I guess, doesn't stick for me. Sorry, I'm laughing because you added a Y to Hell Yeah. <laughs> That's what <laughs> we were just saying. I was like, no, I want yeah. to continue to call her Hell Yeah it's for the rest of the it's podcast. Hella. <laughs> hell Yeah. Nope, she's Hell, hell Yeah. Now. Hella? Hella. Hella. Hell yeah. No, don't let them tell you otherwise. It's give hell me yeah. a Hell. Give me a Yeah. <laughs> hey, whatever. Uh, the one, the one chick. Um, I gotta add it. Hella. I gotta throw my own opinion in here now. I guess too, because my point that i added here was like probably gonna go after eduardo talked 
who put his point after Robbie. I'm like in between all of this after subsequent viewings. I was the same way uh, where I didn't really love this movie right away. But when I compare this to now that I've seen Thor 2, I think it would have felt even more extreme if I had seen Thor 2 before I had seen this movie instead of for the first time in this retrospective. But now that I've seen it, I don't, I think I'd, if I had to pick a Thor, I'd pick the one that's trying harder to be funny than the Thor from Thor 2, who is like too serious and makes the plot completely boring. I think I, like, that's what I don't even remember the Thor from Thor 2. And I, we I watched think that it, a few I think yeah. there is a way to write someone funny without them, without the character trying to be funny. Yes. I, I think prefer... you can still write no, Thor no. to be hilarious without him constantly just trying to yeah. be, you know, like a joker. And I prefer an in-between, but but if I had to pick the extreme, super boring, serious about everything Thor, or the over-the-top, trying-to-be-funny-it's-not-really-working Thor, I'd probably go with the funny one. After ordering for Surtur's crown to be delivered to Odin's vault, Thor has Scourge transport him and Loki to Earth to find the real Odin. Unfortunately, upon arrival... Thor and Loki quickly discover that the remnant, uh, the retirement home Loki had placed Odin in has been demolished. Loki is snatched acres. away. <laughs> uh, poor Shady Acres. Loki is snatched away by a sling ring portal, leaving a mysterious address card behind, pointing Thor toward Bleecker Street. Thor poking Thor ta- the card and saying, Loki? Like he thinks that Loki is turned <laughs> into the card is a wonderful moment, in my opinion. See, that's Thor written well. Uh, Thor talks to Doctor Strange, who insists on knowing why Loki has been brought back to Earth. Thor explains that they are simply trying to find Odin and will immediately leave as soon as he is retrieved. Strange reveals that he knows of Odin's whereabouts, which is in Norway, but notes that Odin asks not to be disturbed. Nevertheless, he sends Thor and Loki to him. Thor and Loki find Odin, having shaken off Loki's spell from Dark World, but he is despondent and dying. In his last moments, Odin makes a confession. Hella... The sister Thor and Loki <laughs> never knew they had, and Hell the yeah. goddess of death um, <laughs> will be released from her prison once he dies. She's far more powerful than her brothers, and will grow stronger and and will grow stronger when she returns to the fires of Asgard. Odin tells his sons he loves them one last time before transforming into energy and dying, not unlike a Jedi. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he does kind of do the Jedi fade away. <laughs> yeah. Hela emerges from her prison and arrives in Norway. When the brothers refuse to kneel to her, Hela attacks them with the spike she can summon at will. She also does the first of 600 times where she will take her hands and push her hair back and make a crown. Uh, <laughs> just repeated over and over and over again she's in this like, movie. She's like, what's his name from... Um... What's that movie with Seth Rogen where he gets knocked up, where he has the one move at the dance club? Oh, the shaking the dice? <laughs> yeah, she's like her pulling her hair back is the shaking the dice of Thor Ragnarok. <laughs> Look, I, I don't have a problem with that. I think it was cool the first time. The problem is that they shoot it exactly the same way multiple times in this movie, so you're just seeing her do it over and over and over again, and it stops being cool after like the third time. Like, if they had looked to shoot... There's there's one point where they shoot it as, like, a shadow. Like, you're looking at... The camera's pointed at her shadow, and it does it. And I think that's really cool. But all the shots of the camera literally just being in front of her and her doing this and turning into a crown, it just kind of gets old after the 16th time. 
and I'm being hyperbolic here because it's not 16 times, but it felt like it was. It's 14, Eduardo. <laughs> How dare you? What's like the uh, point of her doing that? Besides, it looks cool. Because I don't know, because nothing comes out of her head. It's not it's, like her head is summoning the she, spikes. She like, stabs people with her head. It's so that she can have her comics accurate look, but not the entire time. Yeah, that's really all it is. It's that's, it, would, it is the hella version of how comic book characters have their masks, but take yeah. them off constantly. It's like, that way she can walk around like a normal person for a lot of the movie, but when it's time to fight, she can look like she does in the comics. Yeah. Um, she didn't notice when she does that, people for, like be like, oh my god, where'd Hella go? Yeah. You, <laughs> oh, strange <laughs> person, what did you do with Hella? <laughs> oh, I'm not Hella, face? I'm hell yeah. <laughs> 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 oh my bad i'm so sorry oh, i want to make a quick, quick point about hella while, while we're talking about comics hella uh is that movie hella is kind of a composite of two comic characters uh she's mostly hella but the idea of her being thor's long lost sister is actually based on a character named angela which, um angela of asgard who was originally a character in spawn not even marvel yeah, what? So, so here we go. Some... I didn't know any of you this. You did not? Yeah, no. Angela of I knew none of this. The she queen was... of hell. Yeah, a- yeah. so Hela is the queen of hell based on Norse mythology, etc. and so forth. Angela of Asgard was originally a demon hunter in Spawn, co-created by Todd McFarlane and Neil Gaiman. Then Neil Gaiman got involved in a legal battle over who owned the rights to Angela. He won that battle and then sold the rights of the character to Marvel. So after, I believe, the Age of Ultron storyline in the comics, uh, they revealed that Odin had been hiding a secret 10th realm called Heaven, H-E-V-E-N, which is where the angels had been banished. And they're ancient enemies of Asgard. But also, Angela was secretly Odin's firstborn. And Hmm. she eventually became a hero of sorts. I think she actually... I know Thor makes a joke about Asgardians of the Galaxy, but that was an actual comic in which Angela was part of the Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, so yeah, so that's where that uh, came from. That's all really interesting, and I thank you for giving me stuff that I didn't have the slightest clue about from Marvel Comics. That's, uh, you just made my night. Alright, cool. Also, while we're on Hela, getting the Hela stuff out of the way, Kate Blanchett's fantastic, and I'm really, really happy. She does great in this, and I'm happy that Kate Blanchett was in a Marvel movie. And sad that Kate Blanchett was in one Marvel movie. Um, I, I was I the only one. I know I'm not. No, we. I think but, we talked about. Yeah, definitely thought that she was going to be Thanos's death. Right. Yeah. That that like, was what I was assuming. I one hundred percent thought that she was going to be in Infinity War, and she was going to be his uh, motivation. But, um, I guess I'm not upset she's not. It's just kind of the alternate universe I also want to yeah. see. Yeah, I thought she would have looked weird after being crushed by a giant fire sword well then they could have made her look like the skeleton like she does in the uh in the comics fair death death i mean not not hella she got hella crushed hella hella (laughs) hella she's from california yeah yeah it's it's it's, hey robbie or it's a (laughs) no it's hell yeah not hell yay (laughs) back on track uh yeah so 
She catches Mjolnir. She chatters it. Lori, uh, Loki, Lori, Loki panics and calls Lori. her the Bifrost. Helga and Lori. <laughs> <laughs> However, during their trip, it sounds like a bad Selma Louise podcast. <laughs> Uh, Hela intercepts him and forces both Loki and Thor out of the beam. Hela arrives in Asgard, immediately kills the Warriors Three and recruits Scourge. As just like, two. yeah, that was a immediately. Just <laughs> hey, remember these characters? They're in here for a second. Ugh. Yeah. Zachary Levi got less screen time than Stanley. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but Stanley didn't become Shazam, so it's okay. That's true. That's true. You don't know That's that. Point. I don't know that. That's true. Thor awakens on an alien planet covered in junk, Sakaar. Thor is approached by hostile scavengers, who he manages to fight off without Mjolnir until one of the scavengers uses an electrified net to capture him. Interesting. Electricity, my one weakness. <laughs> As the god of thunder. Um, a drunk woman with a spaceship then kills the scavengers and claims Thor as her own. On Asgard, oh, did, you, did you notice the bilge snipe? corpse next to her ship gazoom tight yeah. what did you say there is no. a, okay so there's a corpse of this horrid nasty large creature with a bunch of eyes and antlers and i think oh, this has been man. confirmed but um that is a bilge snipe which was something that thor mentioned to colson back in avengers we don't have those on our planet yeah so i think that's the one time we've ever seen a bilge snipe in oh my any, gosh in any medium it looks like a happy deer that died. Yeah. <laughs> so on Asgard, Hela effortlessly lays waste to the Asgardian army. She takes the throne and destroys the royal mural above it, revealing the hidden, the original hidden behind. It's revealed that she had always been Odin's most powerful weapon in his efforts to create the mighty Asgardian empire, and that only when her ambition outgrew his did he imprison her. Hela breaks into Odin's vault, declaring the Infinity Gauntlet as a fake, the casket of ancient winters is weak, and Surtur's crown smaller than she thought. She becomes briefly interested in the Tesseract, declares the Eternal Frame the greatest of all. The, the Eternal smashes, Frame? The Eternal Frame. <laughs> she smashes through the floor, revealing the mausoleum beneath. With the power of the Eternal Flame, Hela revives the fallen Asgardian soldiers from her time, along with her massive pet, the Fenris Wolf, who... Correct me if I'm wrong. Is Loki's son in the yes? In, yes, in along actual... with a snake. Yeah, the, the world, world serpent. Snake. World serpent. I yes. believe the world Hang serpent on. and the wolf are both Loki's children in Norse mythology. Hell is also one of Loki's children in Norse mythology. Hella. Well, that's all weird. Yep. Well, everything has gotten complicated now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hella or Helia? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And uh, is it that? Oh, and, and Odin's horse is Loki is Slepnir. Odin's horse's mother, not horse, not Loki's. It's it's so confusing. Yes, yes, it is. Break uh, it down for me, Chris. Yeah. Oh, the wolf is supposed to kill Odin during Ragnarok. Yes, I didn't know that. I remembered that from my uh, brief time as a classical studies minor in college. Was hmm. uh, the wolf killed Odin? I remember that in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, there's a wolf named Fenris Ulf. And in Harry Potter, there's Fenrir Greyback. Yeah. Yeah, if you're naming someone after a mythological wolf, it's probably going to be some variation of Fenrir or Fenris because of that. 
Meanwhile, Heimdall sneaks into the Bifrost Dome and steals the sword, rendering the Bifrost useless. It's revealed that Heimdall has been slowly organizing resistance against Hela, who sends her soldiers after him. Thor awakens to a holographic presentation about Sakaar and the Grandmaster, the ruler of the planet, and host of the gladiatorial contest of champions. And that's where we get our first shot of Jeff Goldblum as, uh, what's his name? The Grandmaster. Uh, I want to say this is like, and correct me if I'm wrong, this is where Jeff Goldblum first started to experience like a renaissance. Like he, and maybe I'm wrong about this, was just not really, was just kind of around for a while. And then he like came back with this movie and has since like become like a national treasure for some reason. He uh, already had started to get that in like when Jurassic Park fans grew up and started taking over the internet. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of Jeff Goldblum on the internet that was um well, it's I think it already right? started. The shirtless Jeff Goldblum yeah. like the shirt Yeah, that was meme. part of it. Yes. And I think um, you well, can't discount the importance really of his apartments.com commercials. <laughs> there you go. That's Well, right. and I was going to say as weird as it is, him <laughs> iMac commercials were really popular. Oh yeah, too. I forgot yeah. about those. Um, I think this was the first film that cashed in on that, though. Unless I'm missing something. I I think this was the first time. I got scared because the video got slow. I think this is the first time that a big movie like this said, "Let's have Jeff Goldblum play the pop culture version of Jeff Goldblum." Yes. Yeah, I think you're right. So, like, I'm not necessarily. As, I don't. It gets started it, but I think this was when it hit mainstream, if that makes sense. Yeah. Now, Angela, you're a big fan of the old the old gold bloom, aren't you? Uh I guess. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? Your note says that you're a big fan. That's you not said how you I love him that's in this. That's not how you I literally... put it. Well, you literally yeah, said, not, I capital love him in that this. That doesn't, I love him in this. It doesn't mean I I like when he love. vomits on my hands and they melt. <laughs> okay. What? <laughs> the fly, people, the fly. Help me. Thank you, Angela. <laughs> Jeez. So, I feel like there are so many bold choices in this movie, one of which was, we didn't really talk about it, but leading right up to our first jeff goldblum sighting but the uh willy wonka um tunnel into uh, that thor takes into (laughs) his little throne room there um very trippy and and just just such a choice i don't know how else to put it but um no jeff goldblum was great i just didn't realize he was such a like I didn't. I guess I wasn't paying attention to the internet, but I didn't know that this was a thing that people were obsessed with Jeff Goldblum and that he kind of had his own wacky personality outside of you know Jurassic Park was probably the only thing I'd seen him in leading up to this. But yeah, I thought he. Normally, I don't love when actors are in a movie and they're just kind of playing themselves. Um, Or you know, there are a lot of actors that I feel like. That's not what they're trying to do, but it's still just, it's this actor being this actor, like Tom Cruise. That's how I think of Tom Cruise and sometimes Tom Hanks. But he was just so enjoyable in this. I love that he calls Thor sparkles just because (laughs) Thor tries to get out of the chair and like there's some sparks between his fingers. He sparkles. 
And then just the whole conversation between him and Thor when Thor's like locked into that chair and he's asking Thor about himself and Thor says he's from Asgard and he goes, Asgard? <laughs> and then later he tries to remember where Thor's from and he's like, you know, ass place, Asberg. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. He just, he's just great. Like it's, there's no it's one like birthday. him. And it just fit this the feel of this movie so well. This just wacky, unlike anything else in the MCU movie. Yeah, I enjoyed... Agreed. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed that they... Some of the very specific aspects of Jeff Goldblum that they brought to the character, like not just his weird delivery of, of lines and his quirks, but like the fact that he's like kind of a jazz musician and... Uh, uh, <laughs> You know, like when he's sitting there and like they kind of like warp over to where he's like a DJ telling them, about, you know, this place a car. You know, I'd be like a million years old, but here. And he just sort of <laughs> stares into space and kind of gives that weird little smile. Uh, I am so hopeful. I, I really hope that the collector is not dead because I yes. need... I need the collector and the grandmaster to appear together in something. I feel like he's not dead because yes. we didn't see him. Yes. We never saw him yeah, dead, so there's enough of a deniability that he could be because both those characters in the comics, they're brothers. Uh, they're elders of the universe. Uh, so, uh, And if you've, if you've gone to Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout at Disney California Adventure, you can see a, a painting of the two of them playing a game of chess. And it is the the movie versions of the characters, so that that's not necessarily confirmation that they're related in the movies, but yes, it is. I, I mean, I'll take it. It seems like enough. It seems like me. enough that that's yeah. That, that's, that's Everyone there. who plays chess is a brother. Is is that how it works? Yes. No, they're the they're, skeletons and pirates of the Caribbean. They're, they're mates. Brothers. They are now. They're checkmates. <laughs> <laughs> Hey. Uh, <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> you destroyed that joke. <laughs> oh boy. Hey. <laughs> so the Grandmaster paid the drunk woman from earlier and obtains Thor, whom he decides to pit against his champion during a match. He states that Thor will earn his freedom should he be the victor. The Grandmaster melts another prison horrifically, and Thor complains about the smell. It's not just another prisoner; it's like his like cousin, right? Yeah, it's a, cousin. yeah, yeah. It's a... Yes, that's right. Um, still restrained, Thor discovers from life. <laughs> uh, Thor discovers Loki, who is mingling and getting on with the Grandmaster and his company. What a weird way to write that, Rob? He's getting on with the Grandmaster. That's not a weird way. To... It's... That's, that's about not as a weird, weird Robbie way. A racket. <laughs> It's, That's it's, not a it's, weird Robbie way to write It's weird something. when I say it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Thor is thrown into the gladiator's quarters where he meets Korg, an exiled Cronin resistance fighter, and his friend Meek. Hey, man. I'm Korg. <laughs> so, Meek impression. The, the sounds. I'm not going to call you the lords because one of you isn't a lord. One of you is a lady. That's true. Uh, the sounds. Uh, Korg. Taika Waititi, he's, uh, he's, he's really doing it for you too, isn't he? Quirk is just... Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Say it. Say it. Say it. Come on, say it. 
Korg rocks. Come on, what are you doing? Uh... <laughs> I look for meat cabaret to Korg rocks. Veggie <laughs> <laughs> fruit. Oh, no. fruit. <laughs> oh boy. Um. Do you want me to throw that at, to you again? Sh- hey, sure. Chris and Angela, how do you guys feel about Korg and Taika Waititi? <laughs> they rock. <laughs> Thank you. Rock on. Well, I guess that wasn't Hell too yeah. hard. Wait, wait. <laughs> because he's made of rocks. Oh, I didn't even Personal realize. Rock. What is a joke? No. <laughs> he calls himself a thing. Well, not a thing. I'm a being. All right, go ahead. <laughs> oh, jeez. Um. So yeah, no. Uh, Korg was just an unexpected like bright spot of this movie i what i like about him and obviously taika waititi's sense of humor since he played him is he's not trying too hard to be funny it's like the opposite of what we were saying earlier about thor in this and he just has these lines that it's like blink and you'll miss them or or if you're laughing too hard at the thing that came before it you're not going to hear it um but i just love his little throwaway lines um like when he first meets Thor and he says, I tried to start a revolution, but I didn't print enough pamphlets. So hardly anyone turned up except for my mom and her boyfriend who I hate. <laughs> and I, th- I found that hilarious. And like no one else in the room was laughing when I, you know, when I'm like watching this movie with other people, but I thought that was great. Um, just so unexpected. And so not what you expect this giant rock creature to say. Mm-hmm. And then obviously the other, really great i mean there are a lot of great lines but when they're testing out you know what weapons they're going to use in the arena and he says to thor that he could use this fork you know he says yeah but it's not really that useful unless you're fighting off three vampires that were huddled together (laughs) (laughs) i don't know just ridiculous but so so good and so just said so matter-of-factly and and i just love taika's kind of understated i think way that he delivers lines and just his sense of humor and it's it's a, like a lot less in your face than stuff we see in guardians which i love guardians but i i would venture to say i actually like taika's style of humor even more than james gunn can i give you a counterpoint sure one specific counterpoint sure the only thing that I will say is probably done a little better in Guardians that is that is not done, in my opinion, while here. Remember when we talked in the Guardians episode about Star-Lord calling his ship and saying it was a Jackson Pollock painting? Right. So it's kind of a gross line, but also a little clever. In this one, they just say the Grandmaster has an orgy in his ship. <laughs> <laughs> There's no clever there. They're just like, hey, look, it's the ship. There are orgies in here. It's not, I don't think it's, representative of the entire movie to movie experience but that that one thing is what my mind goes to yeah i guess though i like i just think valkyrie isn't subtle what do you what What? what's not subtle about her giant cannon penis (laughs) what hey i gotta go you guys didn't think that was supposed to be a giant penis no, what are we talking about? I actually had and- never thought of it, and then I saw someone point what? it out the other day, and I was like, oh, how did I miss that? If this I is, go to Google, very... 
If I go was to she Google like... and type in Valkyrie's cannon penis, will I get what I'm <laughs> trying to look for? That depends. Do you have say search on or not? This is no. This is not the turn I was expected this podcast to make. I was completely unprepared for this moment. Just Wait now. a minute. Where, where she has the giant cannon and it's like right on her crotch. You don't think that's supposed to be a giant penis? Because it's one of those swivelly gun things. Why does it have to so be? So why is her those swivelly why gun is things she are penises, like... Angela? Why is her pelvis right up against it, like thrust into it? Uh, maybe That's supposed she's, to be a penis. Because it's on oh, a Are you ship. talking about the one she's shooting the dog with? Yes. It's supposed to represent her having a huge dick. All right, like, I found she's it. Got, like, big dick energy. Like, I she's found like, it by badass. looking up Valkyrie's cannon penis, and it was safe. <laughs> and the first four images are graphics interchange format of Valkyrie thrusting her pelvis into a big gun. Yeah. That's what I just put in the chat. Right uh, that feels like seeing what you want to see. Well, no, and it's not that. It's where she like turns and it's there and she's like looking at him with it. Basically being like, look at me. I'm a badass. Look at this big old thing I got here. Like, I think that's what they were going for at that point. How did we get here from Korg? I be completely a missed something. No, no, no. How did we get here from Korg? Hey, we were having a nice He was complaining about the orgy joke. Hey, if you do search Google for that thing I said that I won't say again, don't <laughs> scroll down very far. <laughs> <laughs> just uh, just some friendly having... advice. One of our listeners is just so excited to hear us talk about Korg, and this is where we've gone with it. <laughs> We're going to bring it back on. What, what was what was our smuggler friend's name? It was, it started Vicky. with a V. Vicky, yeah. Doug. Uh, bringing it back to Korg because I didn't get to say anything. Uh, first of all, I was hoping to be able to use the uh, vampire joke as a jumping off point, but that was like 10 years ago now. Uh, but if you have not seen What We Do in the Shadows, which is a Taika Waititi movie that is a mockumentary about vampires living in New Zealand, you must watch this movie and then watch the FX series based on it. All of it. Very, very funny. Uh, if, if you enjoy Thor Ragnarok's humor at all, you will enjoy What We Do in the Shadows. And hopefully the sequel called Werewolves about werewolves that is reportedly in development. Uh, but I digress. <laughs> uh, Korg, like I said, he's not what I was expecting out of this movie at all. I wasn't sure. They didn't really even show him that much in the uh, any of the trailers, I don't think. So when you see this big hulking rock guy and he just has this real unassuming just light way of delivering his lines. It's just, first of all, it's just a humorous juxtaposition all on its own. And then the fact that he is just funny, you know, Oh, that's what Doug used to say. See you later, new Doug. And <laughs> although I think my favorite is when Thor is talking to Loki's projection in that room. And then, and then just as Loki's about to leave, he comes up and goes to him and goes, piss off ghost. And then he's gone. He goes, he's freaking gone. <laughs> just the way about the way he says it. Um, it's not like a circle. It's like a freaky circle. Just, I, I don't want to just turn into Chris says his favorite Korg lines, but like every line Korg says could be my favorite Korg line just about. Uh, and, and I know that Korg and Meek, I don't know how much, Robbie, if anyone's going to talk about it, I think it's going to be you. Are we going to talk about Planet Hulk at all? I never read Planet Hulk, but I am aware of it. Okay. Um, so, unfortunately, I know it's something I should read, yeah. but I haven't. So, I actually can't talk about it authoritatively at yeah, all. Yeah, and I have not yet re read it. 
<laughs> yeah, so so this movie, while it is a Thor movie, is also a stealth adaptation oh, of Thor. of yeah of Planet Hulk, which was a storyline in the comics where after World War Hulk, uh, I guess Tony Stark and the rest of the Illuminati decided to launch Hulk into space because he was too dangerous, and he landed on Sakaar and ended up as part of the the. Was it the Contest of Champions, or was Contest of Champions technically something different? Because I know that was a whole series as well. Uh, the point is, Hulk ends up winning these gladiator games on the planet Sakaar, and Korg and Meek are characters from that. Uh, and since Marvel at the time could not make their own Hulk movies without getting Universal involved, their way to make Planet Hulk was to say, we're making a Thor movie that is also Planet Hulk. And yes. and I think it worked. I think it was actually yes. very, it, it's very surprising that you know half of a Thor movie is based on a not Thor comic at all, and it works so well. And we'll get into that a little bit more down the road. But but that is where Korg and Meek uh, originally came from, and they are of course very different in the comics than they were uh, in this movie. But it works. You know, I'm sitting here stewing about the fact that we were going to talk about this nice wholesome character, Korg. <laughs> <laughs> and then it veers off into this disgusting conversation about disgusting conversation about orgies that the movie brings up itself and imagery of penis that I am a hundred percent sure is there on purpose. It's not me bringing this up; it's the movie. Be mad at the movie. If it's the movie, then why haven't I seen it? I've watched this why movie a ton s- of times, and I've never gotten that from it. I don't know why you haven't. Maybe you just didn't look with your special eyes. Your specialized. <laughs> My, My brand. brand. <laughs> I don't know why you haven't gotten it. And I need to pull anybody Ruining who's movies listening is to this right brain. now. But <laughs> just watch the scene. Like, look at it. Look at the way she looks at him. when she, Like, it just... Look at it. That's a penis. Great talk about Cork, guys. This just feels like... This feels like wanting something to be there so badly. <laughs> I don't want anything to be there, but like, I can't. I think it's all <laughs> even in after you perceive it. Even after finding the image of it, I don't know if I can get on board with you, man. I think watch she's the, just more. No, watch the video because I don't think that the the GIF does it does it justice. I think it's the the whole turning. I think it's like a whole thing. Hey, I, mean, that, I didn't bring it back up. I wasn't too. going to. That one, that one does do the whole like turning motion and everything. I almost think she's just trying to be like, "I've got a giant gun. I look cool." Yeah, that was my interpretation. That's how I took it. <laughs> then why? The nice thing about movies is they're open to interpretation. Sure. Well, I'm not surprised. We named the gun Mary there Jane. Are other people that think this, like at all. I just don't know that. You know. 20% of us thinking this means it's definitely the case. I mean, maybe it is the case, maybe it isn't. I could be wrong, but I don't think I'm outlandish for thinking a movie that mentions orgies is also symbolizing a penis. That I don't think that makes me like a... That was such a throwaway line, though, where they just say, oh, he uses it for orgies and stuff, and that was the end of it. Yes, I agree. I didn't think much about I that mean, one. If you think about whole... it, this movie is pretty clean, if... except for like that one line. And man, and, if you don't like mentioning Hulk's orgies, you're going to hate this episode of Assembly Korg, Required. Korg it talks it like about... It mentions more times in the movie. Korg talks about having a special intimate relationship with a hammer, so... Oh my god, the hammer pulled you it's off. Not com- it's not completely clean. 
but okay. <laughs> I think you can find instances of this movie not being necessarily clean, and I don't think it would be outlandish for that canon to also be something suggestive. I don't find that statement canon. Ah. All right, so, but here's my important question. Chris, <laughs> if this was a James Gunn movie and just another Guardians movie, instead of a unique to Taika Waititi movie, that would be a gun penis, right? I mean, there's... I was trying to segue you. You, you got to help me out here. Oh, is it my turn? Okay. I mean, <laughs> it would definitely you be... Uh... talk about the unique nature yeah. and... and... I wasn't sure where where we were uh, in all this. We've gotten so sidetracked. Um, but yeah, it would totally be a gun penis in in a James Gunn movie. Oh, no. <laughs> Put your pants back on, Craglin. Um, I guess I don't like the assumption that because she's doing something that's really cool and badass, that it gets turned into this like phallic imagery. And that's why she's badass instead of just that she's a badass female character. I wouldn't say that that is the reason why she is badass, but I say that's what the movie is presenting me. So if you have issue with that, I would say your issue would be with the movie, not with me who is just watching the movie and saying, Hey, look, that's, it looks to me, that's what they're presenting. So is that anytime we disagree with each other on our interpretations, it's the fault of the movie, not the fault of ourselves. Not necessarily, but I think this is the movie clearly interpreting something and I'm interpreting what the movie is giving me. I'm not saying that that is the way things should be. I am saying, look this what the movie's the doing. Watch what the movie's doing. I hope my so internet I would say goes if out. You so. have a problem. <laughs> yeah, I let you remember my computer wasn't working. <laughs> to me, I would say if you have a problem with, say, how I think a character's name was used as an Easter egg, then your problem is not with me. Your problem is with the movie. Oh, dang. Oh, God. We're relitigating Mary <laughs> oh, Jane. God. Oh, God. I don't have oh. a problem with anything involving this scene. I just think that that gun is phallic, and I that's what you they're trying did. to show. I didn't say you had a problem with the scene. I was saying Angela has a problem with your interpretation of the scene, and you say that's not your fault. That's the film's fault. You have a problem with interpretation of a scene. You have a problem with interpretation, not interpretation at all. You have a problem with an inclusion. That's different from an interpretation. You didn't interpret oh, okay. anything. You just had oh, the thing okay. Okay. Hey, did you hear I they interviewed Hillary needed, Clinton about Bernie? Let's relitigate that too. <laughs> I love hearing about things I heard about for years, over and over again. So let's talk about Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. <laughs> Fire Emblem Sword characters. Let's go. Oh, I'm so tired. I'm so tired. All right. We, we made it around town. Let's keep going. Korg states that no one has ever escaped or beaten this champion. Thor finds the woman there who he recognizes as an Asgardian Valkyrie. Thor faces the champion who turns out to be the Incredible Hulk. In quotations, I have to get off this planet. Oh. Thor, <laughs> overjoyed at seeing his former By Lori. <laughs> this, this is one of my absolute favorite scenes in the entire MCU. Yes. This whole Thor and Hulk fight. And I'm not normally one that gets excited about superheroes beating each other up, but... It is so funny and so full of great callbacks and and not not callbacks in a hey do you remember this way but in a 
it calls back to things that happened several movies ago just to make a joke. And I love that kind of callback. Like like Loki seeing Hulk and saying, I have to get off this planet. Or uh, um, the whole uh, lullaby sequence where Thor goes, hey, big guy, sun's getting real low. And then the music starts playing from Age of Ultron as he's trying to do the lullaby. And then Hulk smashing Thor the way he did Loki and Loki jump going, that's how it feels. And then just sitting down, I just love the sport. Uh, you know, just like every, every little thing, the, the whole, he's a friend from work. We know each other. Uh, it's just such a fun scene to watch. And, and it's interesting to me that the movie actually sets it up. Like Hulk is supposed to be a surprise. Uh, like that's supposed to be a twist that, Hey, the champion is the Hulk, but obviously they couldn't do that because you can't pretend Mark Ruffalo wasn't in your movie. And especially but when also you... did they not show portions of this fight in the trailer? Oh, they did. Yes. The, the, the friend from work so was, talk to yeah. us was in about the trailer. The feelings of trailers spoiling the movies, peaches. Oh, y'all already know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the people don't. Oh, they do. Cause I've talked about it on here before I, but I was going to say, despite how much, um, and this is actually the movie that I, I felt like was ruined the most because of how much trailer I watched. But, um, I, I was surprised at how fun that fight still was after seeing it in the trailer so many times. Like seeing key portions of it in the trailer so many times. Agreed. And we're also yeah. worked up on this big dick energy thing that we're all staring at our <laughs> no, phones. Let's podcast, scene. people. Yeah. We're podcasting. No, Everybody I'm... look at each other in the left eyeball <laughs> and apologize sorry, to the sorry, left sorry, eyeball sorry, for sorry. no reason. Sorry, left eyeball. I'm sorry you people <laughs> see dicks everywhere. <laughs> Wait, why did you say you people when it was one person? <laughs> um, but no, I'm with you guys. Like, I I mean, the scene's fantastic. I especially love, like, Loki's reactions to it are what really sells it. The, the uh, I have to get off this planet. That delivery is top five line in the entire MCU. Mm-hmm. Um, just the comedic timing of that. Um, and then also his, his reaction to the, yes, that's what's that, what that feels like when, when Hulk puny gods Thor, um, it's a great scene. Um, I agree that the, the impact is lost because it was used in the marketing and you're right. You could have marketed that the Hulk and or Ruffalo are in this film and still preserved this moment. And I kind of wish they did, but it's still a fun scene. I mean, we've talked about this probably many times, but this is probably the chief example of why Edward Norton staying in the MCU would not have worked. Yes. Because yeah. he just literally wouldn't have worked in this movie at all. I mean, we no. haven't even gotten to where Mark Ruffalo is specifically, um, but I don't think Edward Norton would have... Um, I don't think he would have worked quite the way... Um, quite the way that uh, Mark Ruffalo is, 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 uh, is portrayed in this movie. Yeah, and, and I really like that this was... I, I liked getting the smarter but still not smart Hulk, like a Hulk that actually talks. Because Hulk always talks... Like he talks in the comics. He he doesn't talk well, but he, but he speaks. And in the movies, they'd always just had him sort of, you know, maybe one or two words at right. a time. You know, puny god, Hulk smash. That's, that's what you get out of him. Yeah, in Avengers 1, he's having whole conversations. Yeah. The comic, yes. you mean? Yeah, right? yes. Okay. yes. 
Uh, and and it was great to finally see that in the movies where he can sit on the end of the edge of the bed and have a conversation. Hulk just gets so angry. Hulk like fire. And, you know, it's it was really fun. And I would have liked to have seen more of that. But we went straight to Professor Hulk. So, you know, it's kind of a bummer. But uh, at least we got this. So Thor, overjoyed at seeing his former teammate, attempts to talk as well as negotiate with him, but uh, makes a mistake of calling him Banner. As the Hulk begins to win, Odin appears to Thor, telling him his powers are internal and not connected to Mjolnir. Uh, Thor calls on Lightning to begin to beat the Hulk before the Grandmaster ends the fight to keep the Hulk from losing. Uh, And this is where we get sort of the reveal of the Hulk. Chris, you already talked about this a little bit, but kind of how it was a little disappointing that the Hulk reveal wasn't necessarily an actual reveal, but it was something that was heavily advertised. Yeah. And, and I get why they couldn't, like I said, you, first of all, you can't pretend that your second or third build actor isn't in the movie. And also dark world is famously probably the least well-received of any of the Marvel movies. And if you want people to come see your Thor movie, tell everyone and Hulk's in it. It's a Thor Hulk buddy movie. And that's that's going to get people interested. So so I think ultimately for Marvel financially it was the right choice. Bit of a bummer we didn't get to get that surprise, but you know it is what it is. That's it's the realities of show show business. You got to have an exciting Thor three trailer after Thor two was such a not exciting. Yes, movie. exactly. And yeah. and they Absolutely. they definitely did push the advertising to know this is different from the other Thor movies. Uh-huh. Come watch this. This is different from the other Thor movies. Because yeah. Thor's which, subplot which, in Age of Ultron is also the weakest part of that movie, probably. Agreed. So it's like, yeah. you know, how do you get people excited about Thor? Well, you get Taika Waititi, which gets a certain kind of person very excited, but he, like you said, he was not a big, big name yet. Like, he w- certainly had a cult following. He was huge in New Zealand and and among, like, comedy nerds. But uh but you know he had never done something as big as this and now everyone wants him to direct their stuff um and he's nominated for a bunch of oscars but uh so it was certainly an interesting and exciting choice but again not not going to work on your average moviegoer so you had to give them something big something enticing that makes sense uh so thor gets uh thor and the hulk both get kind of taken down they get taken out um, Thor awakens in luxurious quarters uh, with Hulk. Hulk refuses to return to Earth because he believes he is hated there and therefore will not leave, which I think is justified. He is shown <laughs> to be friends and sparring partners with Valkyrie, but agrees to trick her into coming to his quarters so Thor can steal her remote with the control disc on his neck. Thor tries to get to the Quinjet that brought Hulk to Sakara, but Hulk damages it, not wanting to leave. Natasha's final message to Hulk plays, causing him to unhulk out. Banner in? <laughs> Uh, Banner says he has not been unhulked since Sokovia and worries the next time he hulks out will be his last. Banner and the Hulk try to Banner and Thor try to leave and find a way off the planet. Uh, the Grandmaster orders Valkyrie and Loki to track yeah, right Thor and Banner down. Um, Valkyrie finds uh, finds them but agrees to help, having knocked out Loki after he made her see a vision of herself and her sisters falling at Hela's hands millennia ago. This is where we get the the flight of the Valkyrie scene, and I think this scene is the most beautiful scene in the movie and maybe one of the most beautiful scenes in the entire MCU. I love this idea of taking these almost um, almost Romanesque uh, portraits 
and freeze framing them and then showing them in, in sort of a slow motion and at any point you could freeze it and it could be just a porch that you could hang out on hang on your on your wall i think it's um i think it's stunning and it's it's, it's fantastic it's work gorgeous and it's that's actually a brand new camera technique that one of taika waititi's friends developed and i think this was the first time oh. it had been used in a big movie like this did they use that in wonder woman it kind of reminds um, me of when she's telling diana the story about how they came to be on- Ooh. It was kind of similar, wasn't era. it? Yeah. I don't want to do a DC movie rewatch, but I don't remember enough of Wonder Woman to contribute here. If you're going to rewatch any DC movies, that's that, the that's one, the one to rewatch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I know that. Especially with the <laughs> next one coming out. I'm actually very excited for that movie. <laughs> yeah, that looks good. What about Shazam? I still well, haven't Shazam seen Shazam, fun. and was, I really, really wanted yeah. to. So I'm. I. It was a fun movie. Yeah. I thought it was good. I like fun. Yeah. Uh, so Heimdall appears to Thor and tells him how to escape, but they must steal a ship for it. Loki offers to help, wanting to leave the planet as well. They break Korg and meek out so they can begin a slave revolt as a distraction so they can steal the Grandmaster's personal ship. Hela orders Scourge to execute Asgardians until they reveal Heimdall's location, and he begins expressing regrets over his alignment. Loki betrays Thor, what a surprise, who was prepared and stuns him with the neck device uh, used him used on himself. Um, Thor expresses disappointment that Loki can't change. Uh, Robbie, you like Loki, right? Very much. You think Loki's a good character? Yes. Um, but you don't necessarily like Loki's sort of turning point here. You don't, you don't, you don't really buy it, right? Well, so what it is is in the isolation of this film, Loki, Loki's arc within this film, watching Loki within this film, perfectly entertaining, perfectly enjoyable, Um, It's more in the arc of the retrospective of these films, especially having watched them in a relatively short period of time. It there's there's a jarring effect where Loki is legitimate, murderous, scary, badass supervillain. And then all of a sudden is now just kind of a a lovable antihero that just can't fight his better nature to where he suddenly is this tragic fallen um, figure in, you know, the 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 his next appearance after this. And it's in the isolation of this film, perfectly enjoyable, very entertaining character. Um, the moments between he and Thor are fantastic. They just don't seem to fit with what we saw in the Battle of New York. And in all honesty, it might be because despite having watched it a couple months ago, Thor the Dark World just does not stay in my brain in any way whatsoever. <laughs> um, and maybe that provides that segue to Thor to Loki's development that I'm not getting. But it's really weird in that I and love him in this film, but I just don't buy it in the grand arc of the MCU that the guy I saw in the Avengers film is also this guy in this movie. I feel like... What about the guy in Thor the Dark World? In what? In Thor the Dark World. What is that? <laughs> I mean, that's my point. Is like, like honestly, I, I admit that it might be that I just don't remember that's, Thor the Dark World he, at all. That's exactly mm-hmm. what that's it where is. his arc happens. That's what it is. Yeah. Because they have some great sibling moments in the in Dark World, which sets up the way they are together in this movie. I think, and I think Loki kind of discovers more and more how much it benefits him to be on Thor's good side and to be the brother, the the helpful brother. You know, because it does ultimately. Or he tries to make it benefit him then and and what he wants to accomplish. Yeah, the um 
I said back in our Dark World episode that the best part of that movie is the Thor and Loki relationship because you kind of get the sense, you know, even though he does end up faking his own death as he's dying, as we do revisit in the tragedy of Loki of Asgard, when he says, I'll tell father what you did. He goes, I didn't do it for him. And it could be read as maybe that is the one sincere thing he's saying is that he does in some way or another still kind of admire his big brother, even though he's lived in his shadow his whole life. He's jealous. He just wants power. He, he says, you know, at the beginning of this, when Thor is confronting him for having impersonated Odin and let the nine realms fall into chaos, he says, I let you go off and you went to earth. You didn't have to worry about being king. You know, I got what I wanted. You got what you wanted. Everyone's happy. So, so I think there is some genuine affection. It's, it's layered under tons and tons of animosity and, and jealousy, but, but that core, maybe I could be good. Maybe I do love my brother is still there. And, uh, I actually really enjoy the, the few references we get to Thor and Loki's childhoods here. Like, uh, you know, I, I, the time I turned you into a frog or, Oh, he knows I love snakes. So he turned him into a snake. So I picked it up and they went, yeah, it's me. And he stabbed me like, <laughs> like seeing how far back their, their sibling rivalry goes. Let's do get fun. help. Yeah. No, I hate get help. It's humiliating. Not for me. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I think it's a very funny and real brotherly relationship. There. Yeah. I mean, well, I, I make like... Danny pretend to be dead all the time uh, when we're uh, sneaking into, to, covert facilities so and the, <laughs> i thought the world of you loki su- line like that stuff i buy honestly yeah. that's the part i buy chris hemsworth's or you know thor's reactions towards loki i do buy he's he's even in avengers where uh-huh. i genuinely feel like that loki was a different but still awesome character um i still find there to be consistency in how thor acts towards loki across the mcu yeah, thor never gives up on him fine <laughs> I'll watch did the Dark convince, World and forget it again. Did we convince Robbie of something for the first time ever? No, you didn't convince me. I'm just willing to admit that it's probably because I don't remember the Dark World. I was gonna say uh, I know I didn't convince him of anything. Yeah, I meant the collective we. I didn't do anything. <laughs> the royal we. Yeah, the royal we. <laughs> the French we we. Well, I honestly I don't necessarily we, we. mean it as a negative for the film either, because Loki in the film is fantastic. It's more of just it's jarring to me across the mcu as a scope and it's not even necessarily a harsh criticism meant to be it's just something that stands out to me i think that makes sense um so from this point on we kind of get to the 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 sort of climax of the movie um so thor and valkyrie steal a ship uh, from the grand master's garage specifically his ship and they survive a dogfight and escape through a portal korg takes a device off loki and asks if he wants to help steal a ship (coughs) excuse me Thor, Valkyrie, and Banner arrive on Asgard. Hela begins an assault on the fortress where Heimdall is hiding the Asgardian civilians, but Thor calls her back to the throne room to fight. Banner and Valkyrie fight to help the civilians escape via the Bifrost, but they are cut off from behind by the ended army and in front by the enormous Fenris. Uh, Despite knowing he may never turn back, Banner jumps off the ship, splats on the ground, and then hulks out just in time to stop Fenris from killing the Asgardians. Uh, Loki arrives at the Sakaran rebels with a ship, declaring himself the Asgardian savior, they begin to board the ship. Thor is overpowered by Helya, who strikes him across the face, <laughs> cutting out his right eye. 
Um, just before <laughs> Helya can finish Thor, he has another vision of Odin telling him Asgard is not uh, not a place <laughs> and that he is more powerful than Odin ever was. He's the god and of he hammers. Her off. What are you, the god of hammers? Hela <laughs> <laughs> uh, tries to stop the Asgardians from escaping, but Scourge turns coat. And a scene straight from comic pages uses a page of AK, uh, uh, a couple of AK 47s to fight off the zombie army, buying time for Asgardians to escape from dying. Before, I told you they were important. Uh, mm-hmm. Escape uh, before dying to Hela. That's Hulk a comic scene. Yes, yeah. there's. I can't remember which comic it is. It's one I've read, but I can't remember what it was. Um, but Scourge ends up pulling out his AK-47s and going nuts on people. It's all right. Yeah. Yeah. It, Hulk it then looks, battles. Uh, oh, go ahead. It looks almost straight off of the page in the movie. Hulk then battles Fenris, uh, being injured for the first time, first real time on screen before sending Fenris over a waterfall. Thor realizes Hela is too powerful while Asgard still exists and sends Loki to the vault. The prophecy says that in order for Ragnarok to happen, Asgard must fall and it is their place to ensure it, not to stop it. Thor and Valkyrie hold uh, Hela off while Loki goes to the trophy room to retrieve Surtur's crown, noticing the Tesseract unguarded along the way. Loki places the crown in the eternal flame of Asgard, allowing Surtur to be reborn. As Hela approaches a weakened Valkyrie, Thor tells his sister that their fight is over and she can have Asgard seconds before the resurrected Surtur emerges and destroys the place, the palace. Um, Hela makes uh, for Surtur, and Thor, Loki, and Valkyrie use the distraction <laughs> to flee. The Hulk attempts to attack Surtur, but is called off by Thor and joins the refugees. Big monster! Surtur attacks Helia, uh, then destroys Asgard entirely. Um, now, Peaches. Peach I'm man. Peaches. You're the Peaches. Uh, you're the Beaches. Oh, I don't think the Beaches works. I don't think you can I'm have the, the French name. The Beaches. <laughs> the Beaches. <laughs> uh, so... As far as seriousness in this movie, um, this one doesn't really have too much of it. It's uh, it's pretty lighthearted in tone, and it kind of stays that way in most of the MCU movies all the way up until um, Infinity War at this point. Yeah. I think part of... So I'm in that camp, like I said earlier, of people who saw this movie and thought it was like a little too funny the first time, and then it grew on me over time. If I would have given this the rating, a rating for this podcast on first watch, it would have been probably two points lower than what I gave it. But all that said, going back and watching this and actually like absorbing it and then analyzing it on like maybe the third or fourth time, whatever the pattern may have been, there's a lot of hidden seriousness in this movie. And I think that I like that juxtaposition of the movie on the surface being like light and funny but the context being kind of dark, it, it's it kind of reminds me, we talked about on our Squad Up podcast last week and the week before about Columbia from Bioshock Infinite, how it's light and inviting and, you know, nice colors and cool textures and, you know, fun, mechanical, blah, blah, blah. But then the context of the game is so dark. And I, I kind of feel that in this movie a little bit. I mean, we talked earlier how, Hella shows up and literally just straight up murders two of the three warriors three. Like they have maybe a half a line each in the movie. Who like who are you? Do they have a, yeah, and then, yeah. And then they die. And they're characters that they weren't staples of the first two movies, but they were Thor's friends that he interacted with in several scenes of dialogue. And you know, they're I, I assume they're well known by people that read the Thor comics. Yes. And they just show up and die. And 
Um, you know, the end of the movie, the very end of the movie, we get Thanos's ship kind of hovering in front of the one that Asgard is all on, and we all know it's, it's coming. Just hovering there seen. menacingly. <laughs> and uh, we've seen the whole MCU, and that movie ends with the start of some of the darkest stuff that comes in the entire MCU in its entirety. Yep, half those and, people they just saved are literally going to die. Mm-hmm. Right, like immediately. And so once you watch this movie in the context of the rest of the MCU, it becomes beneath the surface uh, a very serious movie that is just being overshadowed by humor. It's kind of like how people like me handle uh, like awkward, sad situations. Like they try to coat those things with humor. And like, that's what's happening to me in this movie. And I think that's what kind of, added some more points to it upon rewatch and rewatch and retrospect from the rest of the MCU. I'm glad you like it more now. Cause I remember <laughs> when we were in the car with you one time, I think you picked us up from the airport and we were talking about Ragnarok. Cause I guess it had just come out or something. And you were like, yep, that sure was a movie. <laughs> yeah. You were, you yeah. were not, not into it. And I was like, I liked it a lot. I, it, <laughs> okay. So part, it was partially because, and, and I, I feel personally like this is totally valid. It was partially because I had I had not learned my lesson yet with the trailers thing. Like, Uh-oh. I thought I had learned my lesson, and then I went right back into... Peaches, we just lost uh, you for a moment. Um, so but you're back. Just so just say you had not learned, and that was the last thing we, we said. So oh, Okay. So I was just... I, I think part of the problem it was that I didn't learn my lesson yet from not like obsessively watching trailers yet. So part of it was that I had watched the Ragnarok trailers a whole bunch and they were, like I said earlier, they were different from the other feel of the Thor movies. So they were like entertaining and fun to watch, but then there, you know, a lot of the movie had already existed in my mind. And also I just didn't expect the level of humor that came in this movie it was it was jarring to watch the first time because it was completely different than what I expected in a way that left me more with more questions than with, I guess, contentment. And it just took, you know, like there are foods like that for me, too. Let's relate it to food. Like I hated coffee for a long time and then I forced myself to like it. And now I like <laughs> coffee and I drink it black sometimes and. I guess Thor Ragnarok is the black coffee of the MC. An acquired <laughs> taste for some, but, yeah. 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 When you first watched it, did you watch it in theaters? I did. I actually saw it with um, Chris P., our friend Chris P., um, for a bachelor party situation. Hmm, interesting. So we, were I, in, we were in Miami. I was going to bet that you hadn't watched it because I didn't watch it in theaters. And I had a similar experience. I was pretty like lukewarm with it when I first saw it. Same thing with Guardians 2. And I think both of those movies excel as movie-going experiences. So I think if you watched both of those movies in theater, your probably perception of the movie will be a little higher because they're just they're fun movies to watch as a group, right? Like to watch together as a collective because they're funny and they're something that you can all laugh together. And it's I think it heightens the experience um, for some of these movies. Like I think that one, those two specifically would get heightened if you watch them in theaters versus me who watched both of those movies after they released in theaters at home. And I didn't have the same reaction as everyone else. I'm curious what my thought on Ragnarok would have been uh, uh, like the first time if I had seen Thor the Dark World. Like, oh, if it yeah. would have been right. even weirder. Yeah, 
Yeah, like, would it have been weirder or would it have been a breath of fresh air? <laughs> I, I don't know. I definitely felt like it was a breath of fresh air. Um, and I did not see it in theaters, partly because many of my friends who are currently on this recording, some of them, um, described this movie as something that I feel, didn't feel like I needed to rush out and go see. Um, Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, so even Angela, if I remember correctly, Angela was not necessarily down on the movie, but her description was still, oh, I don't necessarily, still made me feel like I don't care about that. Sort of like how a critical review, the importance is not the score, the importance is what they say about the movie. Even people that said positive things about the movie still described something that I felt like I was going to be disappointed with. I saw this movie on an airplane. Oh. Um, very shortly after it was in theaters, but and that was my first time viewing it. And I actually ended up liking it. And of course, like we already mentioned, liked it more over time. Um, I think it would have been a breath of, air, a breath of fresh air if I saw it in films and theaters. But I think I also would have been on the same page as you had I seen it in theaters. I think we would have agreed a lot. You know what? And I shouldn't have even felt that way because the movie was free. Uh, I had movie pass at the time. <laughs> so I guess oh, it wasn't wow. free. But movie I, pass? No, only your <laughs> yeah. only your personal information was the cost. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I, Identity theft is not a joke, Robert. I think it's interesting hearing all of your growing up making office references. <laughs> it's real interesting hearing yeah. from all of you because I was, I guess, the guy who liked it from the beginning. And I I remember. Yeah, I was like, I thought it was great. I thought it was really funny. And uh, and actually, it's, it is a movie that I've actually come to appreciate more over time because I remember leaving thinking that was the funniest Marvel movie I've ever seen. And and like Peach has just said, there there is a a depth to it. And I think it's interesting we kind of touched a little bit earlier that people compare this to guardians of the galaxy and guardians volume two a lot. And superficially, I think there, there's a lot in common because they're, they're very funny. They're broadly wacky space adventures uh, that take a lot of inspiration from the weirder bits of star Wars, where you've got people in rubber masks in the fringes of the, 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 the corner of the screen. Uh, although, what's great about Ragnarok is that the alien and set design is very much based on Jack Kirby's art. Uh, it really looks like it jumped off the comic page there. Uh, and they, but they're both funny. And as I've tried to defend in the guardians volume two uh, episode, especially there is a, a depth to it. And in guardians, it's more about like interpersonal, like emotional relationships. And, and that's something that James Gunn, feels passionately about and puts into his movies and Taika Waititi. I, I think it, it needs to be said he's, he's from New Zealand. Uh, he's actually of Maori descent, uh, which is uh, Polynesian. Uh, like the, um, I don't know if tribe is the right word. I don't think tribe is the right word. And I, and I apologize for my, I have an anthropology indigenous. degree. I should know this indigenous. Thank you. <laughs> um, uh, it's the indigenous people of New Zealand. Um, and he's and he's also Jewish. Uh, so two uh, two big minority groups right there. Uh, and that certainly gives him a unique perspective. And and that's, I think, what makes this a Taika Waititi movie, not just the improvisational nature of the humor, which is very much you know his his bread and butter. Uh, but there are a lot of themes in here in this movie of colonialism, which, of course, is going to be something that that is very very important to him as as an indigenous person uh losing touch with your own cultural heritage uh like for example uh when hella 
walks into the throne room in Asgard and you have all the nice pretty paintings on the ceiling of, oh, here they are bringing peace to the nine realms and she destroys them. And you see how they became the rule of the nine realms, which is all conquest and war. Uh, and you can certainly bring that back to imperialism of, of the past uh, and the niceification of history, how we, we always make history sound a little bit nicer than it actually was when you're studying in school. Like, you know, the kindergarten version of Thanksgiving versus the AP history version of Thanksgiving. <laughs> it's the best example I can think of of that. Uh, all of Valkyrie. I mean, she is, she's been displaced from Asgard and lost touch with her cultural roots. And then when she does get back to Asgard, she puts on her traditional armor again and embraces her role as a Valkyrie and as an Asgardian. Um, and it's like the Lion King. Yeah. <laughs> you know, remember who, right. remember who you are. <laughs> and, and, and even the message of Asgard is a, is a people. Asgard's not a place. It's a people that they can bring that cultural you know, their, their identity with them wherever they end up, even if they are displaced, even though they're now all refugees uh, from a destroyed planet, basically. And, and there are even a couple Easter egg type touches that, that he threw in like uh, the, the colors of one of the ships, I uh, I think it's Valkyrie ships are based on the colors of an Aboriginal flag. And they filmed on us. They filmed this in Australia, largely. And Taika Waititi actually set up a program where a lot of the crew members were made up of Aboriginal film students who normally would have a lot of trouble getting a job on a movie like this. And he wanted to open doors that had been open for him in the past. So, you know, kind of giving back to uh, people like that, that's, that's something that's important to him personally. And, and I think there are just a lot of individual touches and depth to this movie um, that came about because of him being the director that that I find really interesting, especially on rewatch stuff that I missed stuff that was pointed out to me later. I was like, let me, let me watch it again and try to pick up on it. Like, Oh yeah, yeah, there it is. And it's, it's a really interesting uh, kind of uh, perspective. It's maybe not, it's maybe more subtle than, than saying black Panther, which also deals with some themes that are uh, some similar themes uh, from different perspectives. Uh, But, but it is definitely there. I want to go back to your voice, voiced your first yeah, point. Yeah, my voiced point. <laughs> <laughs> voice. Yeah, wise guy. <laughs> about it not being my Guardians of the Galaxy two. I think I disagree. I think um, I don't think it's superfluous to to compare these two movies. Actually, I agree. think the movies have too many similarities to not be compared. I think oh, I, I definitely think you compare and there are I mean, I did start that out by saying here are a bunch of things that are similar about it. So I don't. Sure, sure. Absolutely. I don't think this movie has enough of a father figure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Odin dies at the beginning, so. <laughs> <laughs> I think tonally, visually and setting wise, there are a lot of Great similarities. So it, it makes sense that people would compare the two movies. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, I actually. No, you go. Okay, I, I was going to say that I, I don't disagree, but I do think that it is, that it, I mean, it's not just another Guardians movie, because uh, back when they sure. had fired James Gunn before they decided, nah, never mind, we still want you to make Guardians 3, a lot of people were saying, oh, let Taika do Guardians 3, and I don't think he, I mean, he could do Guardians 3 and it would be good, but it would feel, to me, it would feel 
very different from a James Gunn Guardians 3, just like I think a James Gunn Thor movie would feel different than Thor Ragnarok does. Uh, because I think that there are different things that, I mean, even though, again, there are a lot of similarities, some superficial, some some not as superficial, uh, in, in how those two directors approach their films, I think that they both have different things that are important to them and I think that some of the themes, some of the messages would be a little bit different. Yeah, I think it's actually interesting hearing both of your points. Because, okay, so I talked about my original disappointment was, oh, this is too much of a comedy. But honestly, some of it was also, oh, this is too much Guardians of the Galaxy. Now, you may remember when we did our Guardians 2 episode, I don't have any problems with Guardians of the Galaxy. My problem was more at being, oh, we're just going to do more of the MCU like Guardians of the Galaxy because Guardians was so successful. And again... That is clearly not where it went. And on repeat viewing, I think I agree with you, Chris. And I definitely really like hearing your take on it um, and sort of pointing out more of the nuances between the directors that, in all honesty, mostly fly over my head. Um, I think I managed to somehow agree with both of you where I understand where you're coming from, where it is different. And I also completely understand Eduardo saying that they're easy to compare and that the comparison is right there. Because it sure was for me when they first came out. That was me during um, the MJ discussion. <laughs> <laughs> I think color palette too. The the movies share a pretty yes. a pretty similar color palette. Well, um, which uh, that visually, I will agree. With and that and that right and the retro visual. Like one of the things I kept thinking as I was rewatching this movie twice over the last two weeks is this keeps making me feel like it's not Stranger Things, but it feels like Stranger Things. Almost like it was just the decade after they were doing a lot of the. Um, the sort of those seventies feels that they do in a lot of spots in guardians of the galaxy. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. It's brighter. It's, it's like guardians of the galaxy is kind of star Wars in, in that it's bright and colorful, but it's Mm -hmm. also like kind of dirty and rusty in a lot of places. And, and Ragnarok is like clean and bright. Uh, So, but still devil's anus. Like and then the also on a trash but... planet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Somehow the trash planet looks clean because, like, when you get to the Grandmaster's Palace, I don't know. It, it's a lot of bright colors and and very clear edges and, uh. But but yeah, it, but it is also bright, colorful space movie. So so I so I definitely get the uh, the the urge to compare them. Um, although the soundtrack of it is definitely super 80s. I wanted to right. bring that up. The soundtrack is completely Yeah, different. Mark Mothersbaugh yeah. is uh, the composer of this one. Uh, you might remember him from Devo or as the composer for the Rugrats TV show. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Um, and I actually really... Does that mean he did... Uh, did he do Reptar on Ice? I don't know if he did Reptar on Ice. I know he did like most of the incidental music for it. And then obviously... like. Dinosaur, <laughs> dinosaur, ancient enemy of man. <laughs> that gets stuck in my head There's almost kids. daily, and I can't even remember what it's from. On the ice, somebody get their mom! <laughs> what is happening right now? Oh, <laughs> You've never seen Reptar on Ice? Reptar is the not. best episode what? of Rugrats reptar, of all time. Reptar, 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 Reptar. They say he's a menace, but I love him. <laughs> <laughs> Oh gosh, there's there's video of me. I don't even in a think Rugrats break ages that well, but that episode does. <laughs> Thor Ragnarok, yeah. everyone. Thor right, Rugrats let's, let's, Rock. Uh, 
Don't Let's you dare say the word focus. Rugnarat? Uh, Rugrats. Thor Rectar understands now that the destruction, oh, destruction the of his version. home was inevitable. So hard. And that Asgard still exists, but now in its people. Thor begins wearing an eye patch, similar to the one worn by his father, but don't worry. All of the character traits he gained in this movie will be thrown out the next movie. Um, <laughs> he thanks Loki for returning for him. Um, and then the two brothers finally reconcile. Thor then goes to the bridge and, with the surviving Asgardians watching on, takes the throne. Um, within the, the credits and the, the, with, with the, the quote scenes. of the original Thor theme from the first Thor movie, which we both got very excited about when he sits on the throne and they play a little bit of that original Thor theme for the first time since Thor. Sorry, music. I'll stop. <laughs> uh, in a mid mid credit scene, Loki asks Thor whether he will be welcome on Earth after the Battle of New York, and Thor assures that he will be. Thor is sure that everything will be behind uh, will be fine until a much much larger ship appears behind them. We then find out that is Thanos' ship. Uh, in a post credit scene, the Grandmaster is faced down by the slaves he had previously been master of. Tries to prisoners declare with a jobs. revolting draw. <laughs> uh, prisoners with jobs, uh, but they are not impressed. <laughs> it's a tie. So that was Thor Ragnarok. Don't say that <laughs> word, the S word. Mainframe. No, no, no. <laughs> Why would I have a problem with mainframe? <laughs> So that was Thor Ragnarok. Uh, let's go on with everybody's MVP. Chris, we will start with you. Who was your MVP for this? Movie? I said Thor. I know. I know that there were a lot of points made about how some some people did not quite enjoy the uh, Thor when he was trying to be funny. Um, it mostly worked for me, and I think Chris Hemsworth. This was when they seemed to realize, hey, Chris Hemsworth is a very funny performer. He has. You know, I mean, he he looks like an action star, but he has really great comic timing. And this movie also showed that he has really good improv skills, which is not even some comedians don't have that. Uh, And I know that Taika Waititi's style is to do a lot of improv takes of scenes. And uh, there were quite a few bits that apparently he improved. I mean, even in Dark World, him hanging up the hammer was was him improving, um, and that's the best part of that uh, that movie. Uh, so yeah, I thought that re- reinvented the character, kind of reinvigorated him, and also it got Chris Hemsworth excited to continue being Thor. I mean, the only reason we're getting Thor Ragnarok is that he really liked where the character went uh, between this movie and then the next two Avengers movies. And I know you said that the character traits get thrown out. I will disagree with you in a few weeks on that a little bit. We'll, we'll, we'll have a discussion about that. Um, I think that it's an evolution. And I think that there are steps taken in each movie that make sense having come out of the last movie. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I give it to Thor and, uh, and Chris Hemsworth, really. All I will say is that they took away Thor's eye patch, gave him back his hammer, and he basically said his name was Thor Palpatine. <laughs> Oof. Uh, Peaches, what about you? Who's your MVP? <laughs> <laughs> I also said Thor. To be honest, like I think everybody in this movie is fine. I don't really think that Thor stands out that much more than a lot of the other main characters in the movie. Um, but I, I don't even think there's a but I. I don't think I have much more to say, actually. I just... <laughs> I just don't, uh, I think the movie is enjoyable and it's fun. I just don't, none of the characters really stand out to me. 
Um, it probably would have been Korg, except his like very last line of the movie bothers me enough to where I wouldn't make him the MVP. The Foundation one? The line? Or uh, the, oh, he's, yeah. yeah. That is like the one joke that I was like, eh. I mean, it's, it's funny, makes me laugh, but I'm like, oh, it just kind of, I, I get the the idea of undercutting the tragic with a little bit of a joke. That's like the only one yeah. that doesn't a hundred percent sit with me. That so, so I, that line reminds me way too much of how strong I thought they were trying to go in Guardians Two, which is why I'm like, okay, a little that's too not far. His last, line. his last line is about how he accidentally kills his friend, but then he didn't kill his friend. Oh, it makes okay. The, well, I meant the I meant that one. <laughs> I knew what you. I meant, meant the foundational yeah. one. Got it. But but anyway, I think Thor. I mean, Thor has some really cool fight scenes, and I like um immigrant song in the very beginning of the movie him fighting everybody the yes. immigrant song and then the when he realizes he's not the <laughs> when he realizes he's not the god of hammers he's the god of lightning that fight scene is also really cool all the different like lightning yeah, combo moves that he uses we didn't talk about really it. That, that whole fight scene is actually fantastic yes. not just thor yeah. I, I hulk's everyone has cool yeah, stuff hulk, yeah the, i think the moment when the wolf stops moving and hulk reveals like i think that's a real cool moment yeah and yeah. and i especially right after he ragdolls yes, uh-huh. yes. onto the bridge In this movie like there are so many scenes where if you hit pause what you have is a heavy metal album cover and yeah. and that is just i think that's cool kind of what eduardo aesthetic. was getting to to a degree and that hulk scene happens once before yeah, it's, in another Hulk. It property, does. If you think all the way back <laughs> to the Incredible Hulk, mm-hmm. it also happens in that. It movie. does. And I like yeah. that, as forgettable as that movie is in a way, and I would say underrated, but it's been forgotten. Um, is it as underrated I, I as Derek that, Jeter? Like that... <laughs> <laughs> that was a baseball. That was definitely a callback to me. Like I, my brain immediately went. To uh-huh. Incredible Hulk when he jumped out of the, uh, the ship. Robbie, who's your MVP for this movie? Um, you know what I think is very interesting is I vividly remember when we were barely into this whole thing when we had gotten to Thor. I remember I think it was Peaches saying something about the real difficulty in this series is going to be not just having Loki as the MVP in mm-hmm. every <laughs> film that he's in, and lo and behold, yeah. y'all have not done that. Um. And right now, here I am. I'm going to say that Loki was my MVP. And I'm the only one saying that Loki is my MVP hmm. when I feel like we thought it was going to be. And I know that there have been movies where I didn't have Loki as my MVP that he was in. And I think that's very interesting how things change in hindsight that I think we all agreed early on. It's like, well, that's going to be boring. We're just going to say Loki every time that Loki's in the movie. And we didn't. <laughs> some of us did. Some of us didn't on some films. As jarring as it is, like I said, in the greater scheme of the MCU to me, within this film, Loki is fantastic. Mm -hmm. His fight scenes are fantastic. His comedy is fantastic. His interactions with Thor are fantastic. The motivation he serves for Thor um, and the the character moments he pulls out of the titular character are fantastic. Um, And so I I, I, and and I believe I I like his arc within this film as well. Um, So everything about Loki is great. It was so hard not to pick Hulk. Um, you know, we talked about this is almost a Hulk film. And this is, I believe, Hulk's best film, which is a weird thing to say when there's a film that has Hulk. But I think this is the best incredible Hulk film. But Loki is just a little bit better than him. 
that look he gives the Tesseract when he's walking by to put Surtur's <clears throat> yes. crown in yep. the Turn of Flame, you know exactly yep. what he's what is going to happen. Yep. And I, I, he, so, he is great in this movie. I, I do would agree. Would Surtur have been able to destroy the Tesseract? Um, like, if Loki leaves it there, does Thanos not get every Infinity Stone? I, I guess he'd probably still get the Time Stone, go back and undo Ragnarok? I guess he could, yeah. If, as long as he can get the Time Stone, he can get whatever he wants. Time Stone's OP. Time Stone's OP. It's true. Yeah. It's true. Eduardo, yeah. who's your MVP? Uh, my MVP is a twofold. I've got it as Korg and Hulk. My backups. I think uh, both of them. I think this movie's strongest feature for me is its supporting cast. I think the supporting cast in this movie is phenomenal, and it can kind of play off of the deficiencies of some of the, the, the main cast at times. Um, you'll see when we get to our ratings that I have rated this the lowest out of anybody in this group. And it's not that I dislike the movie. I just am spoiled by the rest of the MCU and by sort of movies that give me my cake and I can eat it too. Um, so this I. Um, I think in some of these movies, I think the, the, the specifically this one, I think the humor, it, it goes a little too Guardians for me, Guardians 2. Um, I think I had a lot of similar reaction to this that I did to Guardians 2, and it's okay that you guys like this movie, and it's okay that I kind of like it and kind of don't. I think we can all exist uh, in that world. Um, but I, I think Korg and Hulk really, really elevate this movie and really make it what it is, and the introduction of some of these other um, characters that currently are side characters, but will I think soon become titular characters like Valkyrie, who will I think will be a huge part of Love and Thunder, and mm-hmm. I think um, I think she does a great I am job in this movie. So as well. So excited I, to see her in Love and Thunder! I think that's gonna if they go the way I think they might, I think it's gonna be a lot of fun. Yeah, I think it's gonna be great. So I think Korg and Hulk are my answer, but I think my real answer, which is a fake answer, is the supporting cast. So. Angela, what about you? Um, well, like you, I kind of had it twofold. I had Korg and I had Valkyrie. Um, Korg, for all the reasons I already said, but he's really, he's such a supporting character. Like, he's such a sidekick. Um, he doesn't really have an arc or anything. Whereas with Valkyrie, and I feel bad that we didn't really talk about her much aside from some nonsense. <laughs> um, I I'm going to get deep for a second. I think it's cool that you know, with maybe the exception of Cap, but like so many of the characters in the MCU start off at a high. Like they start out where they are so full of themselves and they have all this power and they think they're the best. And then they get knocked down a few pegs or something horrible happens to them and then they become better or whatever. What I like about her is when we first see her, she's kind of living in obscurity. She's a scrapper she purposely kind of took herself away from the power she used to have and the grandeur she used to live in to live in obscurity and just do a simple job, get paid, you know, and just like forget her past. And then she kind of gains some of her beliefs and faith and strength back in this movie to become you know, a hero again. And I just think that's really cool because, I mean, to get, like, a little bit personal about it, 
you know, I did a lot of really cool things in college, things that I was really kind of outside of my box. Like I really came out of my shell. I did all kinds of performing and and all kinds of things. And then over the last 10 years, it's that kind of went away. And I didn't, you know, I kind of put myself, at least in terms of the performing side of me, into obscurity and prioritized other things, which is not a altogether horrible thing because I love the other parts of my life, but I'm starting to find it again. And I feel like that's kind of what happens with her in this movie. And I'm sure other people can relate to that too. Um, and she's just such a strong character. She's, there's no agenda with like anything romantic, you know, which you often find with the female characters. And so, yeah, I just think she's super cool. And I think she'll only get better from here. I like those cool. thoughts. So how does this movie fit in the MCU? What are we thinking? Uh, I think it does. I think it fits in the MCU well. I think it's a little different, right? It's a little different. It's a little, little something else. But it definitely fits into the MCU and kind of sets up a lot moving forward. It's really interesting how important the Thor films are for setting up the MCU. Like, Avengers happens because Loki is disgraced. Like, they get their villain for the, I'm going to say, the most important movie in the franchise. Not necessarily the best, but the most important movie in the franchise needed Loki. And then, as forgettable as Dark World is, a whole lot of real important stuff happens in the Dark World for both um, uh, for both Ultron and for, like, the future films. We haven't even talked about um, the, the big tie-over films. And then, this movie is almost like a prequel to Infinity War. So, which, and I know Peach has said that, but he's right. Um, it doesn't have all the Avengers, but it really just is the the Infinity War prequel. So it's very interesting how... I think you said that, but I agree uh, with you. I think I, I think I got it. So I'm also I right. I think I got it from something you said. Um, so it's very interesting how this trilogy is so important to the story and the the MacGuffins of the, uh, of the MCU. Stylistically, this movie almost doesn't fit in the MCU, but to me, that's that's a feature not a bug that it has its own flavor and its own style um its own sense of humor um and in in that way i guess it kind of does fit in the mcu because despite what martin scorsese says these movies aren't all the same movie over and over again some of them are but these are different movies that happen to exist in the same universe um and this one i think is more different than a lot of them but i think that's a plus yeah, the more each movie or even each series has its own flair and own style compared to the rest, the better, in my opinion. Agreed. They don't need to all be the same or similar. I, I think it's great that you get this and Guardians and Spider-Man Homecoming about high school kids and, uh, you know, Captain America and all that all these different kinds of movies, different genres exist in this same cinematic universe i think that is like you said it's it is a great feature that's the way it should be if if all these movies were exactly the same you'd get bored of it after a while so yeah yeah i agree with martin scorsese i wish more of the marvel movies were about mobs and gang wars <laughs> in fact if all of the marvel movies were about mobs and gang wars that would be better why don't you just go to the Marvel Netflix shows that were canceled. Those are basically oh. all about mobs and gang wars. He's not wrong. That's true. 
<laughs> I bet Martin Scorsese really liked. He really liked Daredevil, series. Luke Cage. That's why he decided to put the uh, Irishman in not... Netflix. He's like, well, hey, if it's good enough for Daredevil. Yeah. <laughs> right. uh, rankings. Where do we put this movie? I put it just in between Spider Man. We're doing Homecoming our ratings or our rankings and... first. Oh, I'm sorry. No. Spoiler. Excuse yeah. me. Spoiler. <laughs> Ratings and rankings, they're easily confused. We'll do ratings. Uh, I give Thor Ragnarok seven and a half rock, paper, scissor jokes out of ten. <laughs> um, I'm going to give it eight. I didn't think of a MacGuffin because nothing st- stood out to me, but I guess I'm going to say penis cannons out of ten. Oh, man. Oh, gosh. Why you always got to bring the penis back up? No. <laughs> oh, no. <boy. laughs> I went off this podcast. <laughs> Awkward segue into Peach is giving it eight sparkle fingers out of ten. Oh, there's a sparkle set. I gave it nine out of ten vampires who are huddled together. I gave it 9.5 perishable rocks out of ten. Angela, you need three of those tri- those trident snake yeah. weapons to kill your nine huddled vampires. <laughs> Hopefully they're standing in groups of three. Uh, now we'll do yeah. rankings. Mine's gonna go for Thor Ragnarok. It's gonna go just in between Homecoming and Doctor Strange, so right in the middle. Robbie, did you know that Eduardo's first MCU movie is Eduardo? <laughs> According to these show notes. No, 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 that's just my last name. I'm like Mario. Oh, oh, Eduardo, Eduardo, and Luigi Eduardo. Uh, both this and the original Thor movie are higher than they would have been. Um, had we just done this from our memory without this uh, sort of this rewatch and this retrospective. Um, so this movie is just ahead of the original Thor, just behind Civil War, um, which, and those two are kind of behind the ones that I just really, really love. Uh, so it's kind of kind of like the second tier, maybe the third tier. Um, but just barely ahead of the first Thor, both movies I like more on rewatch than I remembered liking originally. What about you, Chris? Number one, baby! Whoa, wait, what? Yeah. Oh. Surprise. Baby. I feel betrayed over something topping Guardians 2 already. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can barely tell them apart, so. Oh, God. <laughs> They're interchangeable. <laughs> Those dang gang movies. I did movies. not spend this podcast thinking you were going to put it at number one. I'm, I'm... It was right there in the notes the whole time. You had a week to look at it. Wow. Yeah. I don't spoil the myself in these things. Yeah, that's good. I also didn't look at anyone else's, so. Oh, well, then you'll be surprised to know that I have Ragnarok just slightly better than Ant-Man, but not as good as Iron Man 3. There you go. Angela, finish um, us off. Well. Fill us in on your whole ranking since you haven't been on in a while. I was going to say. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, This could just be, you know, my warm, fuzzy feelings towards it hanging on, but. I think we all have one of those. I still have the first cap at the top. Um, I actually put Thor's Ragnarok second. Um, Again, me from however many years ago when this came out, what, two years ago, Mm -hmm. would be very surprised. Um, Followed by Avengers, followed by Winter Soldier, followed by Guardians of the Galaxy, the first one, followed by Spider-Man Homecoming, followed by Ant-Man, followed by Civil War... Or followed by, I guess, Galaxy Gal- Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, then Civil War, then Iron Man, then Age of Ultron, then Thor, then Iron Man 3, then Iron Man 2, then Dark World, then Hulk. You know what I find interesting about all of our lists so far? 
that Winter Soldier is not the powerhouse that you would think it would be if you talk to almost anyone, right? Like, you talk to anybody who's like a, a Marvel fan, they will always be like, well, Civil War, or not Civil War, excuse me, Winter Soldier. Winter Soldier is this movie, you know? It's it's the Winter Soldier. That's the best Marvel movie that's ever been made, period. And every single one of us has a different movie as number yeah. one. Is that still what people think? I think you could, I, okay, well, maybe not after these last two. Right, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Movies. But I think up until then, a lot of people were saying that, you know, there was definitely a sentiment that Winter Soldier was the best that, that Marvel had done up until then. I would be and I think willing... even up until now, it's weird because we all have something different. Yeah. I would be willing to bet if I took these lists, though, and I like, um, like I, I, I gave them a numerical score and then quantified them, I bet it would still be really high. Maybe even number one. Almost all of us have it near the top and then somewhat different lists. I Looking over, though, I'll bet Avengers would be number one. And then maybe I Winter think Avengers Soldier. Is probably number one. Yeah. Um, but that is an interesting part. The real thing is that we're all hopeless contrarians. <laughs> well, and I think a lot of people get on their Scorsese high horse about, you know, well, Winter Soldier is the best film of the MCU. Sure. You know, it's about yes. like the that film being the best made one. And there might be some merit to that argument. But I also, I feel like the way we are ranking these is like how much we personally connected with these movies and how much enjoyment we got out Correct. of them so that's Correct. why winter soldier isn't number one for any of us yes i have it a very harsh third the the number of hours i've wasted on arguments about whether or not movies can ever be judged objectively versus subjectively i don't want to get into that right now no um, that sounds like the next topic for tonight's podcast oh geez no what <laughs> we have not argued <laughs> i do think it's interesting though that all five of us have a different number one movie Oh yeah. yeah. That's Absolutely. because of your backstabbing. You're welcome. Oh my Chris goodness. has Chick-fil-A as his third favorite movie. I think that every time I see it, Angela. Every Fourth. single time. <laughs> yeah, but not as cool as Eduardo's first movie. Eduardo. <laughs> <laughs> I, I say again. That's fine. I wrote Hulk and Banner at one point. <laughs> Alright, well that's going to do it for this episode of Assembly Required. Join us next week for the best podcast of this entire series where we talk all about Black Panther. Oh boy. We've been waiting for if this. you thought the MJ argument was popping off, you just wait until next week I, when me and Robbie go at each other's throats. Round two! I, at I, this time. I, oh, I, I guarantee, I guarantee it is not going to get as bad as MJ. I guarantee you, like <laughs> you were setting no, it up. I'm not actually I'm, angry about it. You're just gonna try and provoke me because you want drama. It's gonna be a lot of like <laughs> mild like, disagreement, uh, and that's probably it. <laughs> that's I'm that's like what makes it entertaining. And then Robbie gives it a solid eight, and uh... <laughs> right, that's what's gonna happen. It's gonna seem like I hate it, and at the end, it's gonna have a pretty good score. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I have bronchitis next week, so I can't be there. <laughs> Well, that's so going to do it for this episode. Uh, you can find the show at Assembly Required on Twitter. You can email the no, show nope. at Assembly Required Cast. At nope. Assembly Cast. Assembly, assembly Required Cast, cast no, on no. Twitter. Assembly Cast. Angela should just do this part of the show. <laughs> Social media Assembly manager. Cast on Twitter. Uh, assembly Required Cast uh, is what you Gmail it to. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what you Gmail it to. <laughs> you can find Gmail, everybody. Gmail. Check, check the Gmail. Oh. On Twitter. Phil Kid 3, D underscore Peaches, uh, The Sound Lord, The Lady Sound, and ABC Dude Warrior. Gator Sacks 2010. Gator Sacks 2010. Uh, that's going to do it for everybody here. <laughs> we love you 3000. See everybody. Excelsior. Hail Hydra. Obly bobly. I don't remember what yours was. I don't have one. I thought you did. No. I feel like.
nobly bubbly for me. Are you gonna do ASMR? Just a dinosaur!